Hello, welcome to Healing on Purpose, a podcast for chronic pain, chronic illness, and disabilities. I'm your host, Shay Lisa Jackson, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited about this episode because it's just going to be a really relaxed one. Some things happened to me this week that I was just so excited to tell you guys and kind of start a dialogue. So I was gifted a book and I had put off reading the book a little bit. Oh my God. Excuse me. I am so rude. I forgot about our drink segment. Hold on. I am so thirsty actually. Let me get something to drink. One second. Okay, we're back. (laughs) I totally forgot to get something to drink, which is part of my favorite part of this podcast is drinking with you guys. So I grabbed just a sparkling water. It's my favorite flavor, grape, um, and just a little pink cup. So ASMR for you guys. Then the pour, my favorite. Okay, seriously, that sounds like a commercial. Let's have a sip. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the episode, the real stuff. So this week, um, just a lot of different things happened to me, and you guys are like my best friends now, and I get excited to like tell you what happened to me or like any ableism I was able to call out and just as I'm on my journey of unlearning a lot of ableistic views, I I keep using that word. I have no idea if that's a real word, but as I am unlearning and deconstructing my own systemic beliefs, it's really interesting as I dive deep into certain things that I never realized were problematic and ableist towards me or and the way that I've been ableist towards other people, because it really does intersect racism, which as a black woman, I I know that I can easily call that out. But as we grow as a society, and we decide like, this is not okay anymore, it is a process of unlearning. I think I mentioned in one episode how it's annoying when we see disabilities in media, like TV shows or film, And the characterization of that character is all about whatever disability they have instead of just them being a character with feelings and emotions that don't necessarily correlate to them having this disability or chronic pain. And so I was gifted a book about a month ago and I just didn't have time to read it. And then I finally was like, I'm going to make some time. I'm going to sit down and read this book. And within the first few pages, I just started crying because I felt so seen by the author and by the person who gave me the book. So shout out to you. Thank you so much. I felt really seen because this author has a chronic illness, which I I am someone who, if I'm gifted a book or if I'm in the bookstore, I'll just pick up a book and read it. I won't necessarily know what I'm getting into. I won't read reviews. I hate reading reviews. I hate reading book trailers about a book before or like a trailer of a movie. I'm just the type of person, if you think I like it, don't tell me anything about what it's about. I just want to like be in for the ride. So I never looked it up. Like I said, a few minutes into the book, I just started crying because I felt seen and 
I that feeling of feeling seen is so rewarding and I think everyone should have that in all areas of their lives because we're never alone in the feelings that we feel even if they feel isolating and chronic illness feels very isolating now I don't know if I can get in trouble for this but I'm gonna read just a little bit of it because I think that you guys will feel seen as well. This book is called Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And I'm just going to read a little bit. So to set up the scene, the main character of this book, her name is Ava. And she's an author. So she's at a book party, I guess, with some people who are fans of her. And they're like all really excited. And this is what's going on for her. So this is like a proud moment. She's hanging out with people who love her book series. And this is her experience at this party. Then Ava's head was seized by a thunderous hammering. She clutched the edge of her seat with trembling fingers, bracing herself for each blow. The world went fuzzy. Features were melting off faces like Dally's clocks. The competing perfume in the room made her stomach lurch. And then the hammering slammed into her face, harder and faster, aiming to maim. And she heard everything at the punishing decibel, the AC, clanging silverware, and merciful Christ, did someone open a candy wrapper in Connecticut? They always escalated so fast. The ruthlessly, violently migraines that had tortured her since childhood and baffled the most decorated specialist on the East Coast. Eva's eyelids started to droop. In a well-practiced fake-out, she raised her brows to look alert shooting a dazzling smile at her audience. Looking at those broadish broads, she felt low-grade envy she always felt in a group. They were normal. They could do things. Regular-ass things, like diving headfirst into a pool, holding up their end of a conversation for more than 20 minutes, burning scented candles, getting tipsy, surviving an F-train ride while... A subway saxophone blared ain't nobody for nine stops, enjoying sex in ambitious positions, laughing too heartedly, crying too mightily, breathing too deeply, walking too swiftly, living, period. She bet these women could do most of these things without shredding agony, smiting them like punishment from an angry God. What was it like? The luxury of not hurting. <laughs> I feel like I'm at a poetry slam and I'm like reading a book. When I read those pages, I was like snapping the entire time because there's something about being the only one with a chronic illness in a group full of able-bodied people. So I'm someone who grew up as a military brat. I was moving, going to new schools. I think for middle school, I went to four different schools. In high school, I went to two different high schools. Um, one was in California, one was in Texas. And just as I became into my adult life, I realized that I really thrived in friend groups. And then currently now I've realized that friend groups are not for me because I was always somehow deemed the glue of the group. I wanted to make sure that everyone felt really good in our group and everyone was seen. And if someone was like, going off on their own and they were showing signs of depression or anything, I, I wanted to pull them in and make sure that they were loved and cared for. And within these same groups, 
when you have a, a big group of friends, there's always the side groups. So if you're in a big group chat and you're not in a side group chat, you probably make the cut. But I always made the cut. I think it's just because I have a lot of empathy. I was always the one that wanted to sit and talk and listen to what everyone was going on. So not that I'm like super cool, but I think I'm just someone who really likes to listen and and wants to know what everyone is going through. And that can be exhausting when the same isn't reciprocated to you. And so in reading that passage and it's like that low-grade envy of when you're sitting in a group and you're at brunch and everyone is just like talking loudly and eating whatever they wanted to on the menu and they're drinking their mimosas and and everyone's just having a great time and you are melting away and you feel like you're getting hot and shaky and you're getting quieter and no one is noticing and it used to drive me insane because I was always the person that noticed when someone was a little off and I had just surrounded myself with people that never noticed. And I'll take credit for being someone who knew what I had to do to make sure that no one knew that I was sick. I wanted to be seen as resilient. And I think that that was in my own ableist thinking is that I didn't want anyone to pity me. I didn't want anyone to think that I was like being dramatic. I've had a few friends that I'm no longer friends with tell me that I was really dramatic for wanting to use my cane in certain moments if we were like going to a museum or whatever. And so reading that passage, it if you continue reading. She talks about how she goes to the bathroom and she slams some medicine, some pain medicine in her leg and she takes an edible so she can like, you know, put herself back together. And she threw up in the bathroom. So she's like cleaning herself up. And it just made me remember the times at brunch when I would go to the bathroom. And that was my only place of like, okay, get it together. Like I could be in pain in that stall by myself. Um, because I knew that I wasn't safe to be vulnerable with the friends that I had in the way that I had like set up my friendships, which was for me to be the one that always took care of everyone. And it was rare when people notice and the people that notice when I wasn't feeling okay, I will always be thankful for them and I will always remember them. And I can pinpoint the exact moments when that happened. And I'm, I'm forever grateful because it gave me permission to say, okay, I'm not okay. And it's fine. And you can drive me home and I'm going to let you take care of me for a second. And I deserve that. And so even though she was in a room full of strangers who didn't know her and she had to like, I mean, she didn't have to, it's, it's, it's that feeling of like, we, I feel like I need to, like, I can't let people see me sick because I don't want the pity and I don't want them to feel like it's their fault or they should have been I don't know it's if anyone understands this I would love to like talk about it with you because it's it's a dichotomy of I want to be seen as a normal quote-unquote human being but I also want you to see me for who I am and I think those two things can be true If I stand up from the brunch table (laughs) really fast, I'm I'm probably dizzy and I want to fall over. 
none, no one ever noticed. Like no one ever was like, oh, let's walk a little slower. It was like, Shay, why are you walking so slow? Or why are you still sitting there? Come on, we're trying to go. I know that it is on me because I didn't express my needs and I didn't say, hey, this is what I need. I I think too, like we do the thing that we need the most. And that's why I was the person who was always looking out for everyone. And if I saw someone was like a little off, I was like, no, what's going on? Like, let's talk about it. And I just so badly wanted someone to do that for me. And um, I didn't want my friends to think that I was faking or that I was looking for attention because in some of those friend groups, I was like the center of attention. I would be called the glue of the group. And it was also hard to like keep up that energy when she says they can probably hold their end of a conversation for more than 20 minutes. I'm like, absolutely. It is so hard to hold a conversation for that long because by the time 10 minutes has gone by, I'm exhausted. I have no idea what you're talking about. Also something that happened, I went to Trader Joe's and the, like, I vibe out in Trader Joe's. No list, just vibes. I will make a list and not read it. I just, I love being in Trader Joe's, especially when no one's in there. And so I'm just vibing, getting my groceries, and then I go to the checkout line and the guy at the checkout line is talking to me and I can't like hear anything he's saying because I'm so dizzy from the way that they take you from the line and push your cart really fast to the cash register, if that makes sense. So like there's a guy that stands at the front of the line and he tells you what line to go into. And I'm someone who's a people pleaser and I don't want to hold up the line. So I like follow him really fast. So by the time I get to the cash register, I am so dizzy. I have no idea what's going on. His face is melting off. Like she says, I'm like, I'm hot. Like there's just like heat that hits my face and I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I'm trying to look normal, just keep my face looking a certain way because I don't want to alert the good people of Trader Joe's. I still need to get better about, I'm just going to walk slow. And if I look like an asshole, I look like an asshole, but I'm still figuring out how to stand in my disability and advocate for what I need without relying on a mobility aid to be the indicator for everyone else around me to respect that I need to walk a little slower. So I didn't succeed that time, but you know, maybe the next trip I'll be better. He is talking to me and the next thing I know, he hands me his phone and I'm like, what? I have no idea what he said because also when I'm dizzy, it's like I get this fog over my ears and a heartbeat. Like I can't, (laughs) so it's, I'm like, I can't hear anything you're saying. And he um, hands me his phone and it's his Instagram account. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he's like, yeah, like I'm building a studio and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the heck it is that he does, that he's building a studio. So then I put two and two together and I realized he's a photographer or might be a videographer or something like that. And he's showing me his portfolio on Instagram. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, he's holding this conversation. I have no idea what he's talking about. I just take his phone and I send myself one of his Instagram pictures and then I hand it back to him. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I, cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with your phone, right? Also, that was a weird interaction. I don't know. It's very weird, but (laughs) 
I give him his phone back and I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll check you out. I just sent a post to my phone. And he was like, oh, cool, dope, da 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 And then he's like, do you know anyone, da 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 And I'm like, no, but like if I think of anyone, like I'll send it to you. In reality, I had I still have no idea what we talked about in that conversation because he talked most of the time. I feel like he said a lot of things and I still don't remember. So I go back to my phone on my Instagram and he is in like the requested folder. So he didn't like make it through because we have no one in common. And I went and I was like, oh, okay. So I did send it to the right account. Like I, I survived texting my name properly. And I was like, okay, like I'll come back to this in a few days. And then I go back to it and he's gone. And I'm like, oh, did he not want my Instagram? Like, did he see something? It was like, oh no, I don't want to like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. So I have just been thinking about that interaction and I'm like, I don't know what happened. I don't, (laughs) and the amount of times that that happens to me where people just start a conversation and start talking to me and didn't really give me time to be present in my body and get okay from the dizziness. But it's also because I know how to present myself that I'm not dizzy. And I also don't know what to say that's like, hold on, I'm dizzy. Because even when I say moments like, hold on, I'm dizzy, I need a moment, people go to, oh my God, sit down, you need water, da da da. And it's like, no, I'm dizzy like 23 7 all the time. Like, there's like an hour that we can collectively piece little seconds together of my day that I'm not dizzy. And so I I don't know. I just think we need to like not run up on people and expect them to have a conversation because in my head that's ableist. But the guy was great. I don't remember his name. I don't remember his Instagram. I hope he does well in photography. Um and I hope he never sees this because that would be awkward because I love that Trader Joe's. Oh, my God. I don't think he'll see this. I'm thankful that I see myself in literary media because, like, I want to read this book so slowly because there's so many things that I will see written on Twitter or on Instagram. And I'm like, absolutely, yes, that's how I feel. But to have something in text and on paper of exactly how I feel that I can go, you want to know how I feel? Read this book. This, this is how I feel every single day. It made me feel really good. Um, and especially that low grade envy of sitting with a group of people who have no idea what they're struggling with. I resonate with that so much. And, um, I am going to brunch with a group of people, a small group of people, and I'm really nervous because I don't know how I'm going to feel. And with my newfound like need to speak up for myself and advocate, I'm I'm not hard on myself. Like if I don't do it, like I did with the Trader Joe's guy, I don't know if you guys do this, but I practice interactions, like how they show in the movie, people staring in the mirror, like, hi, my name is like, I practice. I need to practice. I need to it might be a part of my ADHD. I need to, or my anxiety. I need to envision 
what it's going to look like. Are we sitting outside? Are we sitting inside? What kind of chair is it going to be? Is the chair going to be hard and solid or am I going to sit in the booth? Am I going to be uncomfortable? Um, am I going to feel like a bag of bones, all, all of my bones hitting and sore? Do I need to make sure that I take some medicine? And so all of those things are the thing that exhausts me before I get to the event because I need to be as prepared for any situation as possible, including interactions. Because I am a very sensitive person, so if someone says an offhanded comment, I could be sent into <laughs> like a tailspin because I'm an overthinker. I essentially just want to be able to stand up for myself and my disabilities and call out a moment that that hurts me in the moment, and I'm trying to get better about that. So even when I was reading the passage and I stumbled a little bit, that's an insecurity of mine from when I was a kid and we would do popcorn reading, which like, I don't know a child that was like, yes, we're popcorn reading today. Um, I can't wait. I like, I'm a beast. Like I was a kid who was like, oh shoot, we're popcorn reading right now. And I'm like trying to figure out like, who's going to call me and read every passage I can before it's time. So I definitely read that passage over and over and I still fumbled on the exact words that I knew that I would fumble on. <sighs> so yeah, that's my level of anxiety. I don't know where I was going that, but I do want to talk about a situation that happened to me this week as well at the dentist. Um, I'm one of those people that hates the doctors. I hate dentists. I hate all doctors ex aside from PhDs because I think you, you guys like don't have to examine me. Unless you're a therapist, because then I really get in my head. Like, I constantly think about therapists who are listening to this and are like, oh, girl, oh, girl, you need to get some help. <laughs> but I just particularly don't like doctors. I've had a lot of bad situations. Doctors typically just don't have good bedside manner, and I don't want to go there. And so I needed to go to the dentist. I was having a lot of pain just in my gums and it was unbearable. I couldn't take it anymore. So I knew that I needed to go for my routine cleaning. And with 2020, I had an appointment set, but of course the pandemic happened. So that was a great excuse for me not to go. Guys, I went to my dentist's office and for some reason, I've been going to this dentist since I was 16 years old and it's all the way where I used to grow up. So I used to live in Missouri City, Texas when I went to high school. So my dentist is still there. It's like a 30-minute drive from where I live now. And I make the drive because me and that dentist, you know, we've been through some things. I have had panic attacks in that dentist's office. There was a time that she kind of um, said that I was being dramatic because of my chronic illness and her husband had a chronic illness and he doesn't act like this. And so we've, I like had to bring my stepmom and was like, she's coming with me to this appointment. And the dentist was like on her best behavior. And you may be asking, why did you continue to continue to go to this dentist? And it's because I am someone who would rather stick it out with a terrible bedside manner dentist than have to go to a new dentist. And go through a similar process of explaining everything. And so I was just like, whatever, like, I'll just get through it. And I made the appointment and my stepmom couldn't go with me. And I was like, it's fine. Like, it's going to be chill. Like, I'm going to be good. Like, I'm a strong black woman. I'm 29. Like, 
I got this, you know? So I go into the dentist's office and there was this one dental assistant that I absolutely love. She's so sweet. And she, when I had the panic attack in the dentist's office, she was like, it's okay. Come back. Like, I'll make sure everything's good. So I ended up coming back with my stepmom and she just really, the dental assistant, like really held my hand through the whole process. And so I love her so much. And when I made the new appointment, I just prayed that she was going to be there. And I mean, it it had been a few years or a year. So I was like, I pray that she's still there. So I walk into the dentist's office. I'm like, I'm here for my appointment. I'm on edge. I have a lot of anxiety, but I'm like, it's okay, girl. You got this. Like, you know how to advocate for yourself. So you're good. I get called and it's not my dental assistant. I'm like, it's okay. Like, she's probably still here. And so they have me like waiting in a room for a good 30 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, like my anxiety is just building up. I posted about it on my Instagram on Chronically Good. So you can kind of see, but I was like freaking out. Um, And I was like, it's okay. It's fine. And then I hear the voice of an angel and it is my favorite dental assistant. And I'm like, girl, oh my God. Like I almost cried because she was in there and she was like, I thought it was you. I saw your name on the list. I was hoping it was you. And I was like, oh my God. And so that really calmed me down. Um, And there's throughout my life of going to doctor appointments and other things. Like I have my favorite nurses and the people who take your blood, they have like a professional name, but I can never remember, like botanist or something. I don't know. But I have like my favorite people. And so it was just so, it felt so good to see my favorite. And she was just so calm and nice. And she was like, what do you need? Do you need a blanket? Do you need a pillow? And I was like, yes, yes. You know, like fully getting the full baby treatment. And then guys, the dentist walks in I clearly didn't do my research. It's a completely different dentist. My dentist sold her practice. So it's like the same name, same place, everything, but sold her practice to a completely different dentist. And this dentist is the nicest woman ever. Like I want to go to the dentist all the time. All the dental assistants are so great. The dental hygienist was amazing. Like I had the best experience. I had to get two cavities. That's okay. Um, But it was honestly just the best experience. And so I'm grateful that I walked in ready to advocate for myself and I didn't need to. And they showed so much care. And one thing that no dentist, I mean, I guess I've only gone to one dentist since I was like 16. But one thing that my dentist never told me is that I'm really hard to numb and we've gone through this experience where she would numb me and I would feel everything and she's like that's so weird and she would numb me again and again and again and to the point where like my heart would be racing because I had so much drugs in me and I'm, I'm a vegetarian so I don't eat meat, I don't drink alcohol so I don't have a tolerance for a lot of drugs and my heart would be racing like crazy, my anxiety would be going wild and this new dentist was like you said you have fibromyalgia, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, you may feel a little bit of pain and you may be feeling it because your nerves are in your, your nerves in your mouth may be spiked. And when I put my drill over, you may feel some of it because I can't numb that. 
And I, it just like opened a whole world for me of like, I always thought that, wow, I must be really weak. Like something's wrong with me because I'm feeling everything. But she validated that for me and said, no, it's because of your fibromyalgia and you're going to have some discomfort and pain sometimes in your mouth with no indication of anything being wrong because your nerves in your mouth are also spiking. And it just never occurred to me. And I was so grateful that she took the time to go, oh, right. Like I've done research on this. I know about chronic illnesses and this is how it affects my patients. It made me cry and tear up just to to be seen by a doctor in that way. And so this week was a really good week because I was seen by not only my doctor, but in media and in a book. And I'm grateful, you know, as I continue reading this book, I'll let you guys know like what I think of it because I'm a hard critic. But I'm thankful to Tia Williams to like writing those those moments that's like, okay, I'm not alone because you can feel really, really alone with a chronic illness, especially when you're surrounded by people who are able bodied. It feels isolating. And I have people in my life who have chronic illnesses. I think it's just that I'm really young and I'm still navigating my own life with these illnesses and part of the reason why I'm excited to read this book is because the character she's writing about her name is Ava and she's older so she has a child and she I think had a husband I've always been curious like how am I gonna have a husband and children and I can barely take care of myself right now and so I'm excited to continue reading this book because I don't think that's talked about a lot. And maybe we'll have someone on here who can explain that to me because I need a a visual representation of someone who has a chronic illness and like has a husband, our wife, partner, and has children because it just doesn't make sense to me. And that's part of the reason why I don't even like care to fully date because we'll get into that into another episode, the dating episode. But Before we go, one more thing I wanted to talk about is the BBC, who I don't frequently read or watch the BBC's information because it's a UK publication, but they decided (laughs) to put out an article this week called Munchausen by Internet. Are chronic illness influencers really faking it? This article was presented by Octavia Woodward who is uh, disabled herself, and it's all about talking. She she does like an investigation on if chronic illness influencers are faking it, and I'm not blaming her at all. It's just a very interesting way to go about giving a highlight to chronic illness influencers. Like It's basically saying that people who say they have chronic illnesses Uh, and our influencers are faking it to get money and to get fame. And I personally don't know anyone who's faking a chronic illness or would have the time and energy to be able to do that. Um, And I don't think that chronic illness is that popular that people want to fake it and get fame off of that. Um, And so it goes into a deep dive of like an internet article or internet Reddit of 
people calling out other influencers and having inconsistencies in their stories. And I just want to quickly say there were so many other things you could have written about because as someone who has a chronic illness and speaking to doctors and trying to get SSI information in the U.S. and um, disability rights and trying to dismantle ableism, this isn't helping anyone. And it's a big waste of your time and resources to say that anyone is faking a chronic illness because not all illnesses are visible and it is not for you to say if someone is faking it. So I think that article was just really harmful and it came out and I don't want to give it too much attention, but you should definitely check it out. It was very dumb and really didn't come to any conclusion. So yeah, BBC do better. Well, that's it for our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us on YouTube. If you are watching, we have some new equipment, so hopefully it looked really good. Make sure to follow us on our podcast on the Apple Store, Spotify, give us a rating and leave some comments down below. What did you really think of this episode? How do you feel about this book that I'm reading? Do you want to read it with me? Should we have a book club? Honestly, I'm so down. Yeah, I just, I want to say thank you guys for listening and watching and communicating with me. This means a lot. And really soon we're going to be having a guest that I'm really excited about. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Follow us on Instagram at chronically good. And I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.